Staying sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. The agenda I will lay out this evening is not a Republican agenda or a Democrat agenda. It's the agenda of the American people. We must reject the politics of revenge, resistance, and retribution, and embrace the boundless potential of cooperation, compromise, and the common good. Now is the time for Congress to show the world that America is committed to ending illegal immigration and putting the ruthless coyotes, cartels, drug dealers, and human traffickers out of business. To defend the dignity of every person, I am asking Congress to pass legislation to prohibit the late-term abortion of children who can feel pain in the mother's womb. And now, Stacey Washington. Hello, welcome to the program today. Thank you for being with us on American Family Radio, where we are broadcasting live and direct to you, really all over the world, because we have international viewers and listeners to the podcast, but also primarily on our terrestrial radio stations, 180 plus of those spread across 32 states and 800 communities, 800 plus. I'm just so excited to be with you today. And if you notice a little pep in my step, it's because um, I was a little like, you know, I don't want to say I had negative expectations, but I was a little reticent. I was a little hesitant to get pumped up. I was excited to hear what the president had to say, but I wasn't sure how he was going to bring the really sobering information about the southern border and the opioid deaths and our foreign policy aims ending the INF treaty. There's there's so many news items that are really, they're consequential and they're serious. And I thought to myself, you know, it's going to be tough for President Trump to bring that out, but still be positive and upbeat. And we'd heard from Corey Lewandowski yesterday on the show that it was going to be an upbeat speech, a speech about unity. And so I I was expecting good things, but I was also holding back a little bit because Nancy Pelosi is going to be just over his left shoulder, you know, making faces, sucking her lips Um, and and just the whole tenor of the room. I didn't even know they were going to do a white version of Handmaiden's Tale with some of the women from the Democrat side to make themselves stand out and kind of make a spectacle. But it came together so beautifully. And I think the president... Possibly it was his best speech that he's given so far uh, during his two years as president. I think it rivaled any other time that he has spoken from a podium in a very presidential manner. Uh, My expectations were exceeded. And we have a press release that we put out through Project 21, uh, the Leadership and Advisory Council for National Center for Public Policy Research. And it was a number of us, six of us, who had comments about the speech and Uh, We're doing some media on it. And I'm really excited about just, it's like opening a door and saying, let's get together here. Let's work together. Regardless of our partisanship, we've, we've jousted, we've crossed swords. We may have even drawn a little blood, but this is about America. And there were some really inspiring moments in the speech last night. So we're going to talk about that. We'll take some calls. We are also going to speak to John Miller. He's a White House correspondent for CRTV. You know, he's one of our favorites and he's going to join us. We talk about the CBS poll. It came out last night and it was a stunner. 
76% of viewers approved of the president's speech. 76% of viewers. And I know they tried to spin it a little later because CNN had a very similar poll result from their, uh, you know, the people they called and talked to. What's interesting is they're trying to frame this as the only people who watched the State of the Union last night were Trump supporters. Now, I can tell you that's just not true. Um, I know that Democrats watch the speech. Look at Twitter, the, the trending items on Twitter. But Twitter doesn't exactly represent America's population. And so there were others who don't tweet who watched it and they were positive about it. And I think it's because he spent time laying out what he had, the president did, what he had on his agenda, what some of the accomplishments were. And he was a little bellicose. Let's face it. He he was, uh, you know, dramatic with his uh, adjectives. He he pumped up the performance of the items that he was touting as his accomplishments. But if you see through all of that kind of, you know, peel back the the beautiful, fluffy, oversized, outstanding layers and you look at the actual metrics, the president has performed. He gets blamed when the economy is bad. He gets to take a little bit of credit when it's good. I don't believe the president and the government is the sole source for us to be excited about our, our, our economic outlook, especially since we know that it's private business, it's small businesses, it's big businesses, it's Wall Street, it's you, it's me shopping and buying clothes and shoes and milk and eggs and bread. And it's us doing our little side gigs, side businesses, side hustles. It's us buying vacation, you know, little, little condo to stay in on vacation or, uh, you know, plane tickets to go on a trip. That's what drives the economy. But the president has unleashed an atmosphere in which that can happen by reducing regulation and cutting taxes. And so he does get some credit. Um, what, what I want to jump into really quickly is daily confession today. We are going to be talking about Psalm 23. And this is by bar none, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And the reason is because a friend of mine actually, I was, I was having some things I was talking to her about. She's like, you know what? I think you need to study and meditate on Psalm 23. And I was like, uh, okay. So, you know, usually I'm like, really? Cause I kind of like this Psalm or that Psalm, but I, I just took, took her for her word and started reading it every day and asking the Lord to show me some things about it. And the reason I want to share it with you is because after last night, I feel like we, it's always good to find true North, find true North and figure out what we're supposed to be thinking and how we're supposed to kind of view our circumstances, whether it's disappointment or whether you're like me, Snoopy dancing into tomorrow with, you know, a song of praise on your lips because some prayers have been answered. You still have to orient yourself to true North, which we can find by going straight to God's word. So we all know Psalm 23. It's so familiar. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to, he, he makes me to lie down in green pastures, leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the verses I want to focus on are prepare us a table before me. This is verse five in the presence of my enemies and anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. So the danger of death is past in this verse. And David reverts to the thought of tranquil, happy, joyous time in which God has granted him a respite from running and kind of the, the perils of, of where he found himself in his life. He has adversaries, but unless God gives 
the room for them to touch David. They cannot touch him. So as perilous as things may seem, they can't lay a finger on David because he is anointed and God is in control of his life. So they can look on David. And remember, David is the one who wrote this psalm. He's talking about the experiences in his life. But for us, we're in, we're in the position of David where God is looking after us. And God is absolutely laying a table in front of us for us to enjoy the bounty of his blessings, which increase with our, in- our, our obedience. So our joy increases with obedience and our ability to experience true relationship with God increases with our obedience. So as we look towards making ourselves completely and utterly in line with what God has for us, we see him laying out a table of blessings and prosperity. And I'm not talking about the, you know, fat fat bank accounts, although that can be a part of it. I'm talking about the joy that you can have despite the circumstances, the friendships and the blessings that God sends into our life that they're not quantifiable. You can't put a price tag on a true friend who's closer than a brother or the relationship with your husband and your children that's flourishing or watching your children flourish in spite of negative circumstances, watching yourself be able to hold the line and, and prosper in whatever God has for you to do despite the circumstances. So his whole life is overflowing with blessings. One of my favorite scriptures besides this one is where God talks about the blessings chasing you down and overtaking you. And then in verse six, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And God's goodness and mercy have always followed before. And we can cling to the fact that they will always flow before us in the future. All we have to do is dwell in the house of the Lord, behold the beauty of the Lord, inquire in his temple and continue to long in our souls for the continual presence of God and communion with him as he takes care of everything else. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. So that is the encouragement for today. (laughs) Awesome. I love that scripture. So Psalm 23, um, if you're feeling something akin to what I was when my friend recommended it to me, I recommend it to you. Read it every day when you wake up and at night before bed. So it's the last thing you read before you go to bed and just allow it to sink into you and to bless you. All right, so now, last night, the president was, I mean, he was just in rare form. He was working a room with half of the people in the room really hating him, openly hating him. He made them laugh, he made them chant USA, and he cracked jokes while he was doing it. And he stuck to the the script mostly. I do have a, a copy from the White House of the, um, the remarks as given. So a transcript of the remarks as they were given, including the, the quips and ad-libs and everything. And I haven't had a chance to go over it because it just literally hit my email box a moment before we started the show. But suffice it to say, he was in, in a, in, it was kind of a, a zone where you get to where you know your haters are there, but you know you have something to say that's just phenomenal. And as he slid into that speech, it, was, it started off where I could tell the nerves were there. It appeared to me that he was, he was settling in and he was nervous. But as he settled in and began to really share, it became clear to me that not only was he in the zone and in his element, but that there was something he had to say that was relevant for every person in that room and therefore every American, because those are the representatives of all of us as Americans. And that no matter what happened in the course of that speech, he was confident in the message that he had. 
And it was one of unity. And it was so important for us to hear as a country. Also, his very, he just, he referred very comfortably to the almighty and to what God has for us and our constitutionally guaranteed rights that are given to us by God, which I thought was just, again, it's wonderful to see and hear from the president. So I want you guys to hear the president saying the USA will never adopt socialism. And this is pretty amazing because he was talking right to AOC and Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders was redder than a tomato in the face embarrassed and utterly flummoxed by the fact that the president chose to say this. Um, Actually, we are not going to listen to that. No, we're not going to listen to that. We're going to actually listen to, oh yeah, actually we are four, number four. I'm sorry, guys. Here in the United States, we are alarmed by the new calls to adopt socialism in our country. America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free and we will stay free. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. Twenty twenty, Trump twenty twenty, baby. That's what that was. Now let's let's just for one second, as we're going out of this segment, I have got to reiterate that it was so important for him to say that from the well of Congress to America, because we have millennials. The millennial generation is the most inclined towards socialism. They actually think it's something that could work in this country. We also have our colleges and universities, all the public ones, espousing Marxism and all of these really, they're culturally repugnant ideas that fly in the face of a constitutionally protected republic, such as what we have here in America. Nobody fights and dies in a desert to get into a country that's a socialist country. Do you see people dying to get into Venezuela, dying to get into Guatemala, Cuba? No, they're all dive bombing out of there to come here. So if we know anything, it's that that statement last night was in the opening salvo and the president beginning to dismantle this new love and affection that Democrats seem to have with socialism. I believe he's going to use this tack and run on it in 2020. And if he does... It's going to be a winner for him. When we get back, we'll have John Miller. He's amazing. White House correspondent for CRTV. Stay right there. Are you still stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's MediShare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. MediShare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster and say hello to MediShare. Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your health care. MediShare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 345.
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a legacy moment. When our son Brendan was 12 years old, he pitched in one of the most bizarre baseball games I've ever seen. Brendan's team was winning by a significant margin. I suppose the umpire wanted to hurry up and get the game over, so he began to make the strike zone bigger for the other team and shrink it for our team. Before long, the fans picked up on this inequity and started calling names. That's never, ever justified. It got a little bit nasty. Then Brendan threw a pitch right down the middle, right over the heart of the plate, mid-thigh. Ball. <laughs> Our catcher stood up and said, that was a strike. Listen to what the umpire said. I heard it with my own ears. Of course it was a strike, but I just want to shut these people up. Now, most of us find that pretty awful. But sometimes we, too, are guilty of holding a double standard, aren't we? Acts chapter 15 is a prime example of this. The Jerusalem Council was convened over the whole issue of the Gentiles coming to Christ and whether they were required to observe the law. Peter had some powerful advice. Listen to what he said in verses 10 and 11. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Now, Peter is saying, cut it out. Don't add this extra stuff to the gospel. We need to be careful in our passion and zeal not to add things that God has in place there. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Let's not confuse the profound simplicity of God's grace by adding our own personal double standard. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Join Crawford tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hello. Welcome back to the program. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome our next guest to the show. He is so much fun to watch on CRTV. One of my favorites, honestly, and I don't say that a lot. And also that CRTV has expanded, and so it now includes the Blaze family, which is just, you know, okay, how much more fun can you have? Um, I, he's a White House correspondent for CRTV. His name's John Miller. John, thank you for joining the show. It's great to be here, Stacey. All right, let's talk about it. What did you think about the State of the Union last night? I thought it was, by the way, thank you for those compliments. I really appreciate that. I love oh, you're welcome. You. And, uh, and, and yes, we are a huge family now. We've got all of the Blaze shows available. We've got all of CRT, what was formerly CRTV. So, you know, if you want right-leaning content, um, we've got incredible selection for you. But I thought the speech last night was, I, I thought it was great. And, and apparently most of Americans agree, which was incredible. But the poll numbers from CBS, which you know, Stacey, had to drive them nuts. Mm-hmm. report that because 76 percent of people viewed the speech as favorable <laughs> i mean that, that that just shows you that the that the, the left-wing class of politicians are really representing a fringe element of the country and really most americans are much more reasonable much more um down to earth and i i think you have nancy pelosi uh, alexandria Castillo cortez all of the lines that they didn't stand up for and clap for uh the american people uh found those fine and actually appreciated it. So I thought it was a masterful speech. I thought that it was really well written. I thought it was really well delivered. Overall, I give him an A for the speech. So, John, we're on the same page. I, I'm wondering, though, about a few specific moments. Like, uh, did you notice that, first of all, 
Nancy Pelosi had a, a paper copy of the speech, which to me, it was just nothing but grandstanding because every member of the you know White House press corps, anybody who's on the list, had the embargoed speech hours before. So she didn't need a printout. She'd already had it <laughs> hours before. You know what I'm saying? Like she, It was yeah, as if she was checking it bizarre, him. It, it struck me yeah. so bizarre to see her just look, looking at the speech like, like he's delivering the speech right in front of you. You don't need to look at the notes while he's reading it. Well, is this, it was as if she was saying, wait, he didn't say he was going to say that. But he, he stuck to the, the original speech. He just yeah. it, There were a couple of ad libs, but for the most part, it was as prepared. Correct. So I, I don't know what she was doing. I, you know, she looked very confused, so I don't know where she was. I don't know if she had that two cards to remind her that, you know, you're in front of America right now. So <laughs> I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you because she's a... Uh, She's at that point where you're like, is she all there? Or is she, uh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. It's something up. So I, 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 I thought that was really bizarre to see her doing that. So what about her standing up and then everyone else is sitting down and she's still kind of standing up? I was like, well, sit down. So I tweeted her a couple <laughs> times, sit down, Nancy. She couldn't even figure out when she was supposed to be standing up and sitting down. And, you know, my hand is up. If you're watching the live stream, you see my hand up. I have these flubs on our live stream sometimes where I'll have a sneezing fit or I'll be like looking off to the side and we're live and I look at the, I'm, oh, I'm still, you know, I'm on camera, that kind of stuff. But I'm live streaming, you know, my radio show for my little home studio here. She was in front of America in the well of Congress, just standing up, shuffling papers. It was crazy. On one of the biggest speeches of the night, I mean, of the, of the year, I mean, one of the biggest events of the year. She's sitting up there. I mean, you have to have it together. You can't be doing that, Nancy. And and it's uh, you know, Minsky was on the cards of you know little uh, little notes that she had written to herself when to stand, when to sit, <laughs> when to clap, when not to. <laughs> so okay, the, now did you happen to catch how they they were caught off guard? CBS and CNN had similar poll numbers where three-fourths of Americans approving of the speech. So what they did was they tried to spin it as, well, only the Republicans were watching. But if you went to Twitter, you saw that there were tons of liberals tweeting about the speech and how much they hate Donald Trump. So clearly, lots of people watched it that weren't Republicans, weren't conservatives, whatever. <laughs> uh, what a ridiculous thing to claim. Oh, it's popular. It must be only Republicans watching. First of all, that's like an impossible metric to measure um, in that sort of period of time, who was watching and what their political demographic was. Secondly, the idea that it was only, you're right, you go to Twitter, you see that everyone was watching the speech, and you look through the, um, through the accolades, and you've got people from Vox, the far-left commies at Vox News. They are, and that's <laughs> Vox, VOX, not Fox, Vox, far-left VOX. <laughs> they are saying Trump is absolutely right on some of these issues. You have people at BuzzFeed saying Trump is actually in the country together. You've got uh, Jonathan Carl saying uh, I can't believe it, but Trump is actually bringing the country together. All these people praising the speech. So the evidence is against anyone who's trying to claim it was only Republicans watching the speech. Okay, so you totally broke that down, but you, you know we can't talk today, John Miller of CRTV. We cannot <laughs> talk today without addressing the ladies in white and how Trump had them on their feet yelling USA. I was like, where am I? Somebody pinch me. Am I awake? Are they really yelling for something that Donald Trump said? He was even surprised and said, you guys wouldn't yell like that for me. But anyway. <laughs> no, I, I mean, and you know, I got to tell you, I thought that that was... Um, a really inspiring moment, to be honest. I'm going to get soft for a sec and say, you know, when you see Democrats and Republicans cheering um, for the same thing, I, I, I thought that was a great moment. Now, of course, 
he went straight to abortion after that, and then they mm-hmm. sat down and worked, worked <laughs> this off again. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a brief moment in there where I was like, oh, wow, the country is, a, is maybe there's a chance we can heal again. Oh, so, okay, did you see the moment where he's talking about late-term abortion and this newfound idea that the Democrats have where a baby is born during the course of an abortion or something, or a woman goes into labor before they can have the abortion. The baby is born. The baby's out on a table, supposed to be swaddled in on a warming tray, you know, getting ready to be, you know, breastfed or something. And instead, according to Governor Northam, the mom and the doctor would simply discuss how to dispose of this you know, it's, I guess they're still thinking it's a fetus, even though it's outside the womb. It's, you know, the baby is alive and screaming and, you know, basically breathing air like all of the rest of us do. Yeah. So Donald Trump described that. that murder. Well, I know. I, I was thinking the same thing. I, last I checked, people get in huge big trouble for, you know, basically doing something negligent and their baby being injured, let alone intentionally, you know, snuffing a baby out after it's born. But did you see that Ocasio-Cortez was sitting next to a lady, I'm not sure which legislator she is, I think she's new, she happened to be black, and she was explaining whatever it was that the president just said, kind of really, you know, gesturing with her hand and looking angry, and Ocasio-Cortez looked perplexed as if, what is he talking about killing babies out? Like, it seemed like she was unaware that this was a story, and the lady was informing her, and I thought to myself, I wish I was there, because I I could tell Ocasio-Cortez the truth, because she actually (laughs) looked disturbed. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to remember exactly how everyone reacted. And, uh, you know, I know there was a lot of, uh, there's the two lawmakers, there was Ocasio-Cortez, and then she was next to uh, a congresswoman from California and one from mm-hmm. New York. Okay. And throughout the whole speech, they were looking at each other like, uh, can we stand? You know, do we want to stand <laughs> for killing babies? Do we want to stand for What do we do? <laughs> they couldn't figure it out. And it's like, you know, it was, it was incredible to watch. But it's, it's interesting that it looked like she didn't know that this was a huge story. Because it wasn't a huge story, because what did they do? Of course, they covered up the horrors of Ralph Northam and what he was saying about, mm-hmm. you know, quote-unquote post-birth abortion, which, again, is just homicide. But they covered up that story really quickly, so it wasn't a big story on the left, because they instantly made the blackface and KKK photos the story of the week. That wasn't the real controversy. The real controversy was the abortion comment, but they really uh, kind of cleverly made the big story and the big controversy, the blackface photos, the KKK costume, the yearbook photos, so mm-hmm. that they could avoid talking about the uh, the horrible comments that Northern made. So it's very possible that uh, Alejandro Ocasio-Cortez was not aware that this was a huge deal because they let the left successfully made it not a huge deal. I mean, I genuinely, John, I, I actually think that's what happened because uh, we, so I was watching it with some friends at, at a friend's house who she happens to have that whole uh, we used to have it too, but we don't anymore. It's like a TiVo. I don't know what they call it nowadays, but you can rewind live television on it. You and can so, rewind, yeah. Yeah, so she rewound that section, and we listened to what the president said, because we were all hooping and hollering, because we couldn't believe he had them on their feet, and then he segued right into abortion, and we were like, whoa, pump the brakes, so we rewound <laughs> it back, and then we saw her do that twice. Like We rewound it back twice and watched as he made the comment, and then Ocasio-Cortez turns and her face is like, what is he talking about? And then she explains it. And instead of her just nodding and turning back to the front, she looks down as if to say, that doesn't sound right. You know, and she's like kind of nodding, kind of not like I'm not getting like I'm, something's going on here that I'm unaware of. And I would imagine as, as often as I mock Ocasio-Cortez for her, you know, the, the different things that she's got going on, crazy, crazy stuff. 
But there, there are plenty of millennials who are liberals and maybe even Marxists, but they're pro-life. Like that is a thing nowadays right. for young people because of science and technology and ultrasound to be very much under the impression that a baby is a baby is a baby. And then they can also be for communism. Like that, that, that exists. <laughs> and so I'm thinking but, maybe I mean, Ocasio-Cortez is not as like, I don't know if she's as rabid as we maybe have thought. It's a human thing, isn't it? I mean, mm. when you are a human being and you hear this, it, it shouldn't be, your political views shouldn't kick in and say, well, you know, politically, I believe, when you hear about something, that a, a life that is about to come out of the, of the canal, that is about to be born, uh, you know, any human being with a soul should be able to say, that's wrong. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm pro-life, you know, from conception, you know, I, but even if you're not on that end of the pro-life spectrum, uh, plenty of people believe that that late term abortions are just wrong. The number I think is eighty percent of women who are, are against a late term abortion uh, and and want a ban on late term abortion, and that number is actually growing. So you know the the, the pro life movement is actually growing and is actually on the rise, um, and it's, it's it's transcending politics because it is an issue of life. And I think that what, you know when you educate yourself about it learn and it becomes harder and harder to you know to, to paint it as women's productive right so that being said the, and that was a pretty interesting segue too like we what we rewind that part back too because we weren't sure what he was going to say and then all of a sudden he's like right. he, he was like moving on and we were just like galloping to catch up so there was that and then there was also his moment about that we would never adopt socialism. Now we we I'm no 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 uh, no hiding anything here, John. Full disclosure. Everybody knows I'm Stacy on the right. I'm like this in my off hours as well. I don't do <laughs> politics and radio in my off hours, but I do like when maybe my girlfriends get together. It's all conservative chicks, and we were watching it last night. We had the brie and the little St. Louis toast, <laughs> which looked like teeny tiny little pieces of toast, and you, put, you spread the brie on them, sliced apples, That's, like four different good. kinds of cheese. They were drinking wine. I was drinking uh, Perrier water. We were sitting up enjoying ourselves. And so we would be like pointing and screaming at the TV at what he had just said and then have to rewind it back because we'd made so much noise we missed it. And we almost <laughs> missed him saying, America will never, we all fell silent. And he just was like, we'll never be a socialist nation. I could have run up and just basically picked that TV up and like, you know, uh, NFL, you know, touchdowned it. I could have just dunked that TV <laughs> on the ground. I was so excited about him addressing that issue, which I didn't expect. How did you take that moment? It was so awesome. Uh, I, I mean, it was an amazing, amazing moment. I, I, you know, I, I uh, support a lot of Donald Trump's policies. I think I fell in love with him when he said that. <laughs> uh, and the incredible thing, though, is that, that uh, even I believe 10 years ago, maybe not even that long ago, that would have been a line that had the entire chamber on their feet. Mm -hmm. the, everyone would have stood up cheering for that line. And you saw the Democrat caucus, they, there was a lot of them that sat because they are socialists. Uh, it, it, it's an incredible thing that that line is not something that everyone in America um, can, can get behind. It, 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 it's incredible that there are actually people, because there's actually socialists in the government, who want to go the way, who, who mm -hmm. think that free market capitalism, who think that freedom is not worth defending, and we're actually defending what Donald Trump I said, just, that we'll never be a socialist nation. Crazy. I found it was that crazy incredible. Fans. And 
Bernie Sanders' face as red as a tomato, just sitting there. He, if he could have said anything, if he could have, he would have jumped up and walked out slowly because I'm sure he's not running at his age. But he would have definitely <laughs> no. stomped out in a, in a very gentle, soft way. He would have stomped out of there if he could have, but he just couldn't get out of there. I, so, John. And that was a brilliant thing. They, they had new cameras. Stacey there that gave close up of their face, and I mean that just provided so much color because you could actually see the veins bulging above their eyeballs when he said stuff that made them mad, and it was just whoever's decision uh, in the the pool feed to put those cameras uh, up close in their face. I want to shake that person's hand. It was so great. So my last last one here because there were so many great moments, and we could probably if we had snacks, we could sit up and talk about this for like two hours. We so so John, what about when the president was like he canceled the INF treaty, right? He was talking about that, and then he just out of nowhere again was like, and if we need to, we'll have more weapons than anybody else. I don't remember exactly what he said. All I knew was I was ready to throw, I was ready to take a a guitar and smash it like I was on a heavy metal band. It was awesome. (laughs) No, it was awesome. And there were so many awesome moments in the scene. That was an incredible moment because you know that that just drove him mad. And then my other favorite moment, and this is actually a little more controversial, my other favorite moment was when he said, and we will not put up with pointless political investigations. And Nancy Pelosi behind him (laughs) Literally let out a full, not even a subtle one, a full open mouth eye roll. <laughs> it was yeah. just, I, you know, he put that line in there just to elicit that reaction, and he fell right into the trap. It was fantastic. I love that he addressed it right there because Americans mm-hmm. don't want endless investigations either. It's a waste of taxpayer money, and it's really distracting. And you know, I I have to say, I just John, I was just expecting it to be good. I wasn't expecting it to be outstanding, like, you know, almost like uh, a, a mix of a comedy show, one of the best speeches you've ever heard, with a little bit of rock it, and roll mixed in. That's what it felt like. It, it really was. And the ending, I mean, there, uh, you know, I, I said this uh, on, on my show, Donald Trump, you know, he, he, he's to the point, he's funny, he speaks well, but I don't need to get chilled when he speaks, it's just not really his style. But mm-hmm. I got chilled at points in that speech, especially towards the end. It was remarkably written. Uh, just a masterful speech. I thought it really was one of the best speeches I've heard from an American president in my lifetime. It was his best, certainly, so far in, in his uh, presidency. And I just, oh, John, thank you. I, I hear the music. I've so enjoyed recapping this with you. You would have been totally in your wheelhouse. If you'd hung out with us last night, you would have had so much fun. <laughs> we were sitting there. It was so much fun laughing and giggling I, and rewinding. I was stuck at the Capitol with all the liberal uh, news people. So well, were you were working. But that's where I was. I would have much you, rather been with people. You were working. You, you were in the right spot. We were, we were kind of goofing <laughs> off, but it was still fun. Thank you, John, for joining us. White House correspondent for CRTV. You're awesome. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. All right. Talk to you again soon. You know what, guys? We'll be back with more right after this. So you keep it here. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. Why do bad things happen? I don't know. Why did our son Jamie die? I don't know. But I do know that God has the answers. I know he loves me, and I know he has a plan for my life and for yours. We live in a lost and hurting world. Pressing on to help others who are hurting is all I can do. I'm certain it's what God wants us to do, and he will use it all for good because he loves us. God's son died too, but God willingly allowed Christ to die on that cross so that he could restore sight to the blind, 
heal broken hearts, and bring his children to him for all eternity. New York Times best-selling author Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. I've often said euthanasia follows abortion like night follows day. On the heels of New York passing an abortion bill that exceeds Roe v. Wade in human carnage, a bill to legalize assisted suicide was recently introduced. The proposed legislation doesn't require a waiting period or a New York residence for those being intentionally killed. As a result, the Big Apple won't be the only tourist destination. The state would become a go-to place for death by suicide. And there won't be any of those pesky revealing statistics to keep track of the number killed because doctors are required to list an illness as the cause of death, not assisted suicide. Abortion and assisted suicide, the lethal bookends of a society that doesn't respect innocent human life. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. From America's election headquarters. What to do about a health care system that is still a major source of angst. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Early Democratic frontrunner Kamala Harris' position on Medicare for All which calls for a massive expansion of an otherwise popular program that is now primarily for older Americans. Everyone has access to health care, period. And that's what will happen under Medicare for All. But that idea has been championed on the left by everyone from Elizabeth Warren to Bernie Sanders. It's no secret that President Trump has railed against government-expanded health care for years. But even on the left, it has become a divisive issue. And it's one of the reasons that the liberal former CEO of Starbucks is thinking about mounting an independent run for the White House. To come out with the suggestion that we're going to eliminate, eradicate the insurance industry is just, it's, it's, it's such a it's, a, it's so false. In Washington, Doug Luzader, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Just in uh, from our CBS News uh, instant poll here following the president's State of the Union, 76 percent of speech watchers said they approved of what they heard. Seventy two percent said they approved of the president's ideas for immigration. Uh, Yeah, so this idea that walls are immoral or medieval, it's not one shared by the majority of Americans. And I think it's really important that they delineated that they were talking to, polling, asking questions of people who actually watched the speech. Because any hardcore leftist partisan is going to say the speech sucked and it was horrible. But any person who really, really has uh, an interest in understanding what the president is putting forward and getting it straight from his mouth would just watch the speech. And it's the reason why Nancy Pelosi made it it had to be contingent on them reopening the government because she knew if he had a chance to make the case to the American people, the Democrats would be forced by their constituents to deal with him on the wall, which they have no intention of doing, by the way. No intention. But if the constituents turn against them, if they get some more traction on this, I think they might move. And uh, yeah, so we're going to take calls, uh, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. I also want to just really quickly, I want to listen to the president calling out the New York Democrats, calling on Congress to end partial birth abortions at the State of the Union. It's number three. 
There could be no greater contrast to the beautiful image of a mother holding her infant child than the chilling displays our nation saw in recent days. Lawmakers in New York cheered with delight upon the passage of legislation that would allow a baby to be ripped from the mother's womb moments from birth. These are living, feeling, beautiful babies who will never get the chance to share their love and their dreams with the world. And then we had the case of the governor of Virginia, where he stated he would execute a baby after birth to defend the dignity of every person I am asking Congress to pass legislation to prohibit the late-term abortion of children who can feel pain in the mother's womb. Yeah, and, and that was also where Ocasio-Cortez turned to her cohort and was asking about what the president had said about, you know, killing a baby after it's born. Um, you know, I, I tend to believe that not every Democrat has that kind of hate in their heart for for living human beings and that this idea that a woman can decide without the consent of the father of the baby that a, a baby needs to die this side of the womb or on the other side of the womb. Let, I mean, we're talking semantics here. The idea that women have the right to do that and that if a doctor fails to abort a baby in time, she gets to decide after the baby's born whether or not it lives or dies flies in the face of the women's rights movement, of the National Organization for Women, of what feminism is supposed to espouse. If they're cheering for all of the women who've been ushered into Congress, how can they not cheer for protecting little baby girls and baby boys who happen to survive an abortion, who definitely have just thousands of families lined up waiting to take them? Why would that be an option after they're born? And by extension, why is it now an option before they're born? If that baby is viable, why is it that we can abort it here in this country? It's, it's a moral issue, and it's a heart issue, and it's a national issue that we will pay for. We're already paying for it, but we will ultimately come to a place of utter judgment and wrath poured out on us if we don't figure our way out of this thing. And remember, it's by hook or by crook. And I'm not talking about illegal activity here. I'm talking about doing whatever it takes going to where places we don't want to go to, uncomfortable places, not harming anyone. I know there's some liberal out there already comprising an email to me. You're advocating for violence. No, I'm not. I never advocate for violence. But I do advocate for us to take every civic measure that we can to put a stop to this because we do fear God and we do want to avoid the judgment. That's why. Not because, you know, I actually don't care about what liberals feel about this. Their feelings are irrelevant. It's the killing that has to stop. And if it could just save one life, dot, dot, dot. And that, that's my answer to anybody who disagrees with what I just said there. Let's go to the phones. So exciting. Randy, thank you so much for calling the show today. Hey. Hey. Okay. Uh, about the State of the Union, all those women in white last night, <laughs> I was a little... Uh, <laughs> I, I must have read it wrong because there was a Muslim in amongst them. And uh, I was figuring she might commit jihad. And I guess the rest of those women in white were the 32 virgins. I don't know. I, I don't know what they were trying to. 
I, I don't know what they were trying to pull off. To, Randy, I have no idea. I think it was they wanted a spectacle. They wanted to show solidarity. But it came off all wrong because when they were sitting, when they should have been standing, it was all the more obvious because they were all wearing white. And again, I don't agree with people being allowed to wear headgear inside the well of Congress. I don't care what religion you're practicing. You shouldn't be allowed to wear your headgear inside the well of the Congress. Thank you for calling, Randy. Uh, let's go to William in Oklahoma. Hey, William, thanks for calling in today. All right, thank you for taking my call. I, I think the uh, president um, gave a speech, and he's, uh, he used such simple words that even casual cats could understand what he was saying <laughs> when he said about the abortion. I think that there may be hope for her yet when she finally learns what's right. She might become a Republican. And my second comment mm -hmm. is the review that was given by Abrams, it was the same old rhetoric, mm -hmm. uh, same old empty accusation when she said about the truth. What does she mean about the truth? What was she talking about? It was mm -hmm. this empty, you know, accusations uh, about the whole thing, but I thought his speech was this uh, right on. Thank I you. did, too. Thank you, William. Thank you for that. And and you know what? William just brought up something amazing that we haven't considered when we're I, I think instead of us working hard and talking about Ocasio-Cortez, which we have done here on this show, instead of everybody talking about her, we should be praying that she would, as he just said, come to know the truth and come over to our side. Be, not because um, not because she's so special or anything, but because she could be won over, just like I was a Democrat when I was her age. Well, I was I, I switched over a little bit before she did, because I think she's about to turn 30. And I, I was in the process of switching over in the middle of my 20s. Uh, but I come on, people. Anyone can be turned. Anyone can be brought over. That's what we should pray for. Uh, I want to get to all of your calls before we end this segment. Um, Jason, thank you so much for calling the show today. Yeah, I, I really enjoy your show. Praise the Lord for you there. Uh, I, I work for a governmental agency, I'd rather not say, but there's several African Americans here that after last night's State of the Union say they're not going to vote Democrat no more. Really? So, uh, did they I say why? I, they're really, really hardcore Democrats, and they say after that they're not they're not voting Democrat anymore. Wow. So, did they say what what changed their <laughs> mind shocked. or? Uh, he said for him, when they didn't stand for killing children, uh, that he just can't go with that. You know, he just, he just wow. can't go with that. See, this is this is the the beauty of him waiting. Because remember, I I don't know if you heard me on the air. I was like, he should come to Missouri and give the speech. He should he should do a round of speeches around the country. But the 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 president was wiser than that, and he waited and gave the opportunity to have it in the well of Congress because I think he knew. That was when everyone would be watching. And I hope that what you just shared, Jason, is happening all over the country. And it's not about politics or left or right. It's about right or wrong. And if it's the issue of infanticide that brings people to their senses, so be it. I just want people to be on the right side of that. Thank you for calling. I appreciate that comment. Um, Norman, thank you so much for calling the show today. I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's good to hear from you. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, I had to call you up and tell you, I, I, I liked about 95% of the speech. Really? Uh, awesome. That's that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, and if, if, he, if he keeps talking uh, like he was talking last night, I think he could win over a lot of Democrats. If he can just stay disciplined 
and stick with the subject and the things that he needs to be talking about. Uh, yeah. he, obviously, good policies. I agree with him. Some areas on the on the border, you need some some uh, barriers. Yeah. Absolutely, I think everybody knows that. Mm. Uh, I think, but see, but see uh, the way some of the Democrats responded to him last night uh, was wrong. But it was the way some Republicans responded to Barack Obama. Yeah, true. I mean, even to the point where, where one of them called him a lie in the will of the house. Which they was unacceptable. It was so, unacceptable. Absolutely. No, yes, you're right. It was unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And some of the silly stuff that, that, that Democrats did last night, uh, you know, but uh, here's what's going to happen with those silly Democrats. They're going to figure out that nobody's going to take you serious unless you start acting like you've got sense. And I think what's going to happen to them, a lot of them are going to learn what they need to learn and understand and do a lot better. And I really do believe that the president could win a lot of Democrats over if he would continue to speak like he spoke last night. Now, a little bit of portion of his speech, to me, he should have left out uh, when he said uh, that, you know, Wars and politics and investigations mm. to stop his economic program. Everybody knows what he's saying. Don't investigate. Well, clearly, and I don't know whether it's him or not, but clearly there were some laws broken. There's some things that need to be investigated. And number two, some of the Democrats are just doing to him what they did to Hillary. They investigated her right on up through her election, uh, her uh, run for president. So. That's what they do to each other. I understand mm-hmm. that. But but there was some laws broken. And there are some things that need to be investigated. I hope that the president had nothing to do with it because the country needs to be able to move on. Well, you know what, Pastor Norman? I got to say, uh, I agree with much of what you said. I mean, I don't, I don't actually believe the president broke any laws. I believe if he had, they would have already exposed that. They would have come to conclusion with the investigation immediately because they would want that to be out before the election that just happened, the midterm. But I do think when we're talking about the 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 tenor, you mentioned if he speaks the, the same as he did last night, I think that was the part that really surprised me was that he seems to be developing a very presidential way of giving a speech and he, he accesses that at certain moments. And when he does, his approval ratings go up. He gets a lot of traction in the media and he wins over a lot of people like yourself, you know, the way you've been talking here. Um, I hope that he continues to do that. And I, I, again, obviously, I want to see the president reelected, but it's not so much about the right left side of it. It's about trying to get people off of the path of destruction that I currently think they're on. And. So, you know, great comments. Thank you so much for calling the show today. Let's go one. Oh, the call lines are still open. Uh, 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Um, I want to go to one more phone call, and then we're going to talk about uh, India Partners. And so, Jake, thank you so much for calling. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Stacy. Sure. I watched it last night, and, and I'm a preacher, and I gave him 100%. He spoke well. I'm mm-hmm. very well. And me and my wife, we were sitting there watching it. I got her tuned in on you now. And uh, 
I'm Thank starting you. to get all my, my family members tuned in on you because I have learned a lot since I found this station. And I tell you this right here, and I asked my wife, I'm a, a black guy, my wife is white. I said, what do those people look like in that white baby? She said, they look like the KKK sitting up in oh. there. Oh, <laughs> so you're not the only one to make that comparison. There's a meme running around where they have the hoods on with the outfits, and it's it's, they said, you know, the Democrats started the KKK and now here they are starting this whole, you know, another white outfit trend. I think it, it backfired on them, quite honestly. And um, I just think that if you look at the presidential candidates on the Democratic side, they did not wear the outfits. They actually dressed to, to kind of let themselves stand apart, which was a smart thing to do. So let me tell you really quickly, we are trying to do a thousand uh, days of safety and we are well into that goal for today. And Though each day of safety costs $7.08. We got the graphic up. If you're watching on the live stream, you can see that there. Rescue a child, provide one day of safety by giving now at 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or going to AFR.net. These are kids whose moms work in the red light district in Mumbai, India, and a day of safety means that they can eat and rest and be away from that area in a safe house that's provided by India Partners. And American Family Radio, as a part of our ministry, we are partnered with India Partners to give our listeners the opportunity to provide these days of safety for these kids. They would be given food and shelter and a warm bed to sleep in away from that area. And their moms are, you know, assured of their safety so that their moms aren't stressed as well. And these are women who are living in abject poverty, and the kids are in that too. And this ministry is providing them with food and shelter and warmth and care and the gospel. And so we just would love it if you would provide one day of safety, $7.08. I like to liken it to a couple of cups of fancy coffee. And if you look at the uh, live stream, you can see that I have my little fancy cup of Nordstrom coffee here. Yes, I was there today. I'm not going to lie. I was there. <laughs> I had to go there. <laughs> so you are hearing the music. Citizens, thank you for making your home at American Family Radio. If you're leaving us now, God bless from the heartland. If you're not, you have One News Now, news and information up next, and then more Stacey on the right. Keep it here.